Welcome to the new Joshuan Podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we discuss the founder of the yin style of Bagua Zhang, uh, the famous yin fu, thin yin. Um, we first discuss yin's early life and his meeting the founder of Bagua Zhang, Deng Hai Chuan. We discuss uh, his early training with Deng and then eventually how he convinced Dung to teach him Bagwajang. And then in our Patreon episode, we discuss... In our Patreon episode, we continue our discussion on the spiraling energy body, Qigong. We break down how it fits into the five-element system of uh, Bruce Francis. And we also talk a little bit about how it connects to practicing other things like Bagwajang and Tai Chi. I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening, and take care. Welcome to the Nei Jia Chuan Podcast with Isaac and Jess. Today we want to discuss the great Bagwajang master, Yin Fu, who's uh, one of the most important teachers to be uh, part of this lineage. And uh, he's got a great life story. So far, the last few episodes, we've been talking a lot about another branch of Bagwajang called the Qingtinghua style. And that's one of the more widespread ones and is a very big influence on what we do. But there's a whole other side to the story. There's a whole other half to the Bagua world, so to speak. That's the other most common teacher, which is the Yin Fu style. And uh, Yin Fu was was uh, the great master Dong Ai Chuan's first student and sort of the first guy who, who learned the Bagua system and was part of it while it was being formed. Um, and Isaac, we've been doing Bagua together for many years and we've, had, we've talked a lot about the masters that we've learned about. And I think one thing that keeps coming up is like, there's somewhere in this 1910s and 1920s area that Bagua is still seen as a single unified martial art. That's just one martial art instead of all the different styles that break apart, like the changing Hua style, or the Yin Fu style. Um, and we've always been kind of trying to discover what were the teachings that were going on in that time period when, when you, these mar this martial art was still pretty unified after the death of the founder. Maybe those first 30 or 40 years after he died, it was still considered one martial art before it broke off into a bunch of branches. Prior to probably 19, let's say 1910 or something like that, there was one school of Bagua Zhang because the founder was either still alive or had just recently passed. Then as most martial arts do, after a few years, they develop in developed into different styles and you got the we, we've talked a little bit about these these sort of you know there was the south school the west school the north you know these different schools in beijing that they sort of divided up into geographical chunks right and the Fu was the first student so he claimed to you know have the 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 most complete system of the, of the bunch right whereas chen tinghua was the last student so he sort of got the essence of the thing in a sort of stripped down package right and then there was everything in between with the other guys right and uh so um stylistically they may have been a little bit different because of the way dung taught which was to take what people already knew and build on that but the core principles were essentially the same the same way you would have with Tai Chi, right? You have different styles, like, you know, Yang style, Wu style. And uh, 
the movements look a little different, but the, the essential practice is the same, thus they are the same art, right? Um, and so I think that that kind of thing happened here. And uh, you know, it's just like kind of uh, branching out from there. And it just- That natural out. progression as each generation yeah. sort of solidifies their own approach to the teaching adds right. stuff. Yeah, and then it becomes about trying to sort of canonize your version or your teacher's version more, more commonly, where you want to say, okay, well, this is how we do it to make yourself different from everyone else, because that's good marketing, right? So when we were training together, Kumar would always say, and in his book too, he would say, Leo Hongjae learned it from the school where different martial, different, uh, different branches of Dong Ai Chuan school, the, all the different Bagua teachers would come and visit and train without prejudice of the, what style they were from. And so Yin Fu students and teachers were mixing with Cheng Tinghua's students and teachers of that style, as well as other groups that were, were lesser, even lesser known. So there's, there's always been this sense that when we're training, that we want to get back to understanding the roots of, of what makes all the systems work together. Like, what did you hear about that? Well, that's, I think, where the, if you will, the the, uh, the stuff that Liu Hongjie learned initially was the Chen Tinghua school from Chen Yulong. And then there at this sort of place we've talked about, this meeting ground or whatever. We've been calling it the Southgate School. Right. This is where members of all Bagua traditions would hang out. And I think it was, you know, like we talked previously about Liu Duquan and guys like that. And so most of those guys were chanting Wa, but there were a few guys there who were also uh, Yin Fu students. And uh, so it just kind of, I think, became like a club. You know, like mm. you have you have jujitsu clubs now and guys from different schools will show yeah. up and they'll teach. And they, yeah, you, know, you have they, seminars with different right. lineages so come through. So you just have that that sort of uh, I think also there were probably fewer and fewer places for these guys to meet. And so it, it just became easier for them to all get together and you know stick together rather than split up. And in our training, we would always sort of unpack the movements and compared to other styles that we visited and read about and seen, you could look at different pieces of the Bagua we learned and say, wow, that looks like that chain palm of that big broad dragon palm, but also at other times where there's a more tighter palm with the folded thumb, we'd say, maybe that's from Yin Fu, maybe this is from Chang Ting Wan, try to see which different pieces may have come from which different groups that came through and influenced uh, Leo's teachings and learnings. The form that Bruce teaches is not a strict, you know, chanting wa form. It has other things in it that are more like the yin fu, but its overall flavor, if you will, is the chanting wa. Style. Right, it does seem to have that same structure, and the names fit with uh, other Cheng schools and stuff like that. So you can see it's it's rooted in that. This come this form comes from a time when there wasn't as much sectarian division between the schools, and it might represent a a pure version in some way than uh than others that come later yeah well leo kind of went freely back and forth between yin fu and chanting wall guys so at that time it was still being taught in that sort of organic person to person 
way of you might do it a little bit differently because of your size or mm. you might do it a little bit differently because you like a certain type of application mm. and this was all still kind of a primordial ooze of bagua that was right floating around it was a yeah and it's morphing to fit the situation because again we're back in that warlord era at this time so guys are coming to maybe just improve their combat skill they may not even care about bagua i heard you were good help I need, i'm about to go fight and it wasn't just bagua this was happening with tai chi this was happening with shing this was happening with probably all martial arts because it was this convergence of uh you know we still needed martial arts, but there were also firearms now. So right. they became less about battlefield use and mm -hmm. more about you know, home protection and bodyguard work, right? And, right. And, and, and the I, chaos of the warlord era where it's, yeah, more like civilian martial arts and small group fighting rather than necessarily giant right. imperial armies. It's all different clans well, was, and cliques and groups I mean, and gangs fighting each other. Yeah, and it's still useful to have, like, even now they teach people, more, you know, some hand-to-hand -hand combat in the military because those two things do kind of, there are some crossover right. there. Definitely right? so, need I mean, both. So I think that they even when they got to the point of just using guns and not doing martial arts on the battlefield anymore, it was still advantageous to have people who knew how to train. All right, let's take a look at the life of Yin Fu. So it's a, we're going to look at what's printed in Bagua Journal uh, 1993 issue on Yin Fu, which is taken primarily from an interview with the uh, with Xie Pei Qi of Beijing, who was an old generation practitioner of Yin Fu style. So it says that Yin Fu was born in 1841. Um, he was, when he was young, a series of natural disasters, droughts followed by floods, drove him out of his home village and he moved to Beijing, where he first learned to be a scissor maker. He began as an apprentice, sharpening knives and scissors for a living. A short while later, he gave up the scissors business and began selling pancakes and fried dough twists. In his early years in Beijing, he picked up the nickname Fried Dough Twist Yin. <laughs> so that's another great nickname for martial artists. Um, thin, uh, fried Dough Twist Yin. And then his other nickname, since he was tall and slim, they called him Thin Yin. And that's the one that most of us know of him as Thin Yin Fu was his nickname. Um, and so eventually he meets the founder of Bagua Zhang, Dong Aichuan. And there's a few different tales here of how it happened, but uh, the, the one that seems to capture most of it is that uh, Yin had, had grown up learning some other martial arts. And then when he came to Beijing, he'd heard about the great teacher Dong Aichuan and was determined to meet him. In an effort to be noticed by Dong, Yin purposefully chose his business route near the palace of Prince Su, where Dong Aichuan worked. Yin constantly asked people who worked and lived near the palace about him. Dong received word of this persistent young man and eventually agreed to teach him. The story also states that Dong started Yin's training with Lohan Shaolin, this version is documented in several of the written accounts of Yin Fu's life. So it sounds, it sounds like Lohan Shaolin was, was one of Dong Aichuan's sort of, uh, how would you say, your first martial art to get your basic training and then put you into Baguazhang to, uh, to keep developing you from there. Um, another one says that he knew snake tongue boxing originally, and that, that might fit in with that snaky movement of Bagua a little bit. So maybe that was what he had originally known. Um, but the most famous episode here is shortly after Yin arrived in Beijing, he went to the palace to challenge Dong Aichuan. This is an alternate story. 
When Yin met Dong and initiated the challenge, Dong was holding a tobacco pouch in his left hand. Dong stretched out his right hand with the palm facing up and said, you attack first. Yin squared off with Dong and extended his hand in attack. As soon as Yin's hand met Dong's arm, Dong turned his palm over and pressed on Yin's arm. Yin Fu moved to block up, and when he did, Dong speared straight in and struck him in the mouth with his fingertips, knocking out his two front teeth. Ooh. Dong never even dropped the tobacco pouch. Um, so <laughs> that was the challenge match. One punch to the face. Yin knelt and asked Dong to be his teacher. Dong refused. Yin said, if you do not take me as your student, I will kneel here and die in front of you. At that moment, Prince Su was passing by and observed what was happening. He noticed that Yin was very thin and had a unique look. The prince told Dong, please accept this young man as your disciple. I will be the one to make the introduction between, with, between teacher and student. At this, Dong accepted Yin as his disciple. Hmm. So Prince Su just happened to be wandering by and, and told his employee to take this young man as a student. So, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Sure. Prince uh, Su doesn't appear much in the Bagua lore, but he's the one who first hired Dong Aichuan right, to be right, the right. bodyguard in the palace. He brought him within the palace. So he's kind of an important figure. And I believe he also trained, the but patron. wasn't known for it. Yeah, he's the patron who made it all possible. Just like our patrons make this possible for us. <laughs> and, and in the background, supply the, you know, the right. material to make this whole thing happen. Um, so I, I, I like that story. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I'll take so that. I mean, whatever. That makes... the, I think the 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 takeaway. I mean, is whatever it was. There was some art that either Yin Fu knew before meeting Dung Hai Chuan, or was taught from Dung Hai Chuan that was not Bagua Zhang. Right, and then then you know that, that developed later. Well, the, the punch in the face thing, they always say that's why Yin Fu wore this giant mustache on his face so it would right. cover up the fact he was missing all these teeth. Mm. And if you see the picture of, if you go to our Instagram, you'll see uh, there's only a few existing photos of Yin Fu, but he looks like a very ice cold, menacing <laughs> sort of just, he's just thin and upright. And the look on his face is one of, disdain and i don't know it's not like he's a mean necessarily person but he just doesn't seem to he just looks i don't know uh how would you put it uh damn my well, you also have, i mean when you took those pictures back then you're also sitting for about 10 minutes so, right, yeah, right. It wasn't exactly you couldn't right. be grinning that whole time yeah. but he's win. got the look of someone who's been a combat veteran type sure, of just yeah, there's yeah, just no. an ice cold look in his eyes of someone who doesn't give a fuck about anybody else and uh, is not a, to be messed with. Right. There's a certain, uh, uh, like you say, ice cold look there. I mean, I want to use the word menace, but it's also intimidating. And he doesn't look like a huge, thick, strong guy. You can tell he's slim, but right. it's just like he just slice you up. Yeah. With just a look on his face. So... It's, uh, it goes on to next talk about uh, Yin Fu's training with Dong Achuan. When he first started, they, they began with Lohan and other Shaolin arts that Dong was teaching in the palace to the guards, scholars, and eunuchs. So Dong had a daily martial arts class, but it wasn't necessarily Bagwajong in those early years. He was teaching um, guards and scholars and eunuchs who aren't necessarily professional fighters. So he's just giving them, a, it sounds a lot like he's giving them a, a good workout so they can build up their arm and leg strength or whatever, but it's not that sort of intricate Bagua styling that is very difficult for beginners. Bagua moves are, are pretty complex. 
So he has this Shaolin and Lohan training that you do first to get your muscles up and get your strength. Right. Up. I mean, the, the, the story we'll get into it in a later episode, but you know, Dong Ai Chuan knew something before he learned Bagua too. Right. So my guess is that whatever he knew before he learned Bagua, he taught to, you know, people. to Yin Fu and these other folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and so there's it just to bring up that idea, there's this whole generation of students of Dong Ai Chuan that history doesn't remember they were taught inside the palace and no out those records have never uh, maybe they were burned up in box rebellion or something like that but that's not something that's part of our bagua lineages most of us that know bagua it comes from after dong ai chuan's retirement from being this this insider in the palace uh in beijing in the forbidden city once he leaves the palace is when he when he teaches the most so there's these years he taught that are kind of dark like nobody knows exactly what was going on during that time period and there's not a lot of people today who were from then. Oh, the students of Yin Fu will sometimes call their school Imperial Palace Bagua because Yin Fu started during that time period before Bagua had kind of like come out to the public. Right. So in the future, we'll probably run across people who were from that time period who only later were revealed to have been involved. Right. Well, I think that part of that was that if you were a, let's say, some sort of government official, wink, wink. Uh, and you learned martial arts, joining a martial art lineage is a step down from being the right. emperor's guard. Right. If right. you're associated with the emperor and these high-level people, you don't put your name out there next to a bunch of thugged-out martial arts. It's not even thugged out. It's just, it's, just a, it's just a lowering your station in, in, in the world, and so they don't generally tend to do that. It's, it's Right. If you're with this upper crust literati or high level generals and stuff like that, being involved with sort of street bodyguard type martial arts is not going to look good on your resume. You don't see a lot of five star generals joining a boxing uh, gym. <laughs> or, well, I was going to say joining a, to coach little league, you know, right, it's, right, right. It's like they want to do something at their level. You right. Know? They, they don't want their peers do aren't going to respect them being so, part of this. So, yeah. So I think it's a. Uh part of the politically it you know mm-hmm. didn't necessarily make any sense for them right so there's a whole political side to this that that is sort of in the shadows where if you're a shop owner like yin fu or, mm-hmm. or chen ting right if you're I'm a glasses repairman becoming hey, becoming a becoming a you know lineage holder in a martial art is a that's a prestige right thing. a martial art that's associated with the imperial city and the royal family like right. that's that's giving you a bump up in society so the next phase of Yin Fu and Dong Ai Chuan's training is when uh, Master Dong is sent to Mongolia to collect taxes for the prince. So Prince Su says, we need, we need to go collect these back taxes. Yin went along with Dong so that he could continue studying. Other than making rounds to collect taxes and sending the money back to the prince, Dong and Yin did nothing but practice martial arts morning, noon, and night. This job continued for a number of years before the prince summoned them back to the palace. It is during this extended stay in Inner Mongolia that Yin first received instruction in Bagua Zhang. So this is the first moment when Bagua Zhang is officially being taught. And it sounds like Dong has sort of created it. And now he's he's experimenting with how to teach it by teaching it to Yin Fu. And in a sense, it's developing yeah, during I mean, that time. Or who knows? I mean, like, this is that thing of, of the, it could have been completely organic uh, to the point of, uh, they're out in the woods, 
and you know yin fu's pestering him day in and day out to show him something so finally he says okay i'll show you this thing i learned when i was in the mountains mm -hmm. and you know that he gives him a piece of it i mean yeah i can only sort of take parallels from everybody i've ever met and it's like generally your teacher doesn't just go here's the entire system right they give you a little bit in the beginning and they, and you know, you, you, you chew on that for a few years and then you kind of like, come on, man, come on, give me a little bit more. And they give you a little bit more and you practice and you practice. And it's like, Oh, come on, give me a little bit. And I don't think it was any different back then that, you know, Jin Fu had to work for it. And Dung Hai Chuan was only doling it out, you know, when it, he felt it was necessary. So there was probably, you know, a, a five, 10 year period where, he was giving him little bits and little bits until he finally said, okay, here's the, you know, whole thing. Right. And another piece of that, that I'd throw out is, you know, we've talked to some older practitioners who are senior to us who were training with Bruce at the time when he was formulating his system and, and the students you have at that time, like Mary or Frank um, or Cooper, like folks who were there in these seventies, he was trying to figure out how best to teach what he wanted to teach. So he picked different people that while he was in there, in other words, the people you teach influence you as you create this martial art. So Yin Fu is clearly there at the time when it's he's the experiment for well, that, yeah, how to teach this stuff. Kind of that's what and, I'm saying. I don't even yeah, think he, exactly. I doubt he was teaching him forms as much mm. as concepts, you know, concepts, and and maybe some internal practices. through applications <laughs> through applications exactly, and and and. Um, most likely the circle walking was the primary piece of it right. because that seems to be among all of his students right. the, the thing that is you know that's the very, that's the one thing that's common between all the systems so, is holding a hand out and walking around that circle right so i think that we can we can safely say that some part of this initial training was circle walking and and anyone who's ever done any kind of circle walking knows that isn't something you just kind of snap your fingers and get you know, it right. takes it takes years and possibly decades, depending <laughs> on your coordination. Right. How to do that in, in a way that right. you could that you could actually use it in a, in a martial situation. Right. So <clears throat> and some mornings even, I feel like I'm starting all over again. Sure. And, and even if you're good at some other martial art, trying to do Bagua mm. isn't it doesn't necessarily translate. And, no and doubt. so I think, it, it, it you know, again, like I said, I think it was probably a just like everybody else, a learning curve with it. Right, an organic process. I guess I was thinking back to when you and I first started, you were just a beginning teacher kind of getting your feet under you. So I was one of the people who was kind of your sure. experiment to like, how can I get someone to understand this stuff? What metaphors, what teachings, how do I beat this person to help them get the concepts that, that are in this? Yeah, you know, and, and you're also, the there's a very different thing in terms of like, if I'm, teaching somebody one-on-one -on -one in a sort of friend type of situation or coworker in Yin Fu's, in, in Yin Fu's case, right. Uh, versus I'm running an official class, mm -hmm. right. Like if I'm, if I'm going to the park with somebody who I like and I'm just going to show them martial arts, that's not the same thing as if you come to my class and I teach you how to do Xing Yi, right. Like right. that's going to be very structured and random. Right. But if you just want to like, Hey, Isaac, you know, we've been hanging out. Why don't you show me what this weird Bagua stuff is? You know, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to show you how to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a piece of it where 
um, that's what Yin Fu got that people who came mm-hmm. later didn't necessarily get is that he got that one-on-one, mm-hmm. I'm going to morph you into what I think you should be kind of right. thing. And sure, I'm Dong Hai Chuan was probably changing it. I mean, right. from, from everything we've read, he was changing it person to person. So I'm, right, not, right. I'm not sure he ever got to right. the point of... This is what what I teach, and right. you know, there's no that, final product. You're right, still yeah. working on it, and I think that that's what made the you know back to what we were saying earlier about the before the split, right? This this mm. primordial Bagua, if you will, uh, it what it, it it didn't have a form. It was whatever Dung Hai Chuan told you to do, right? And and then I think that later it it kind of morphed into. Uh, forms right right because um everybody that talks and but i mean not everybody but generally in bagua there's a discussion about you know things being about change not about form right mm. and, and that that's really the central kind of element of it right the way you would say you know tai chi is about softness or mm. like that right mm. so it's it's kind of um interesting to see how you know, the, if you look at these initial, then we'll get into it a little bit later. These initial schools, they were all talking about the same concepts. They would, you know, structure it slightly different, but all the same components would come mm-hmm. up because that's the piece that most likely Dong Hai Chuan right. was teaching. That's what Master Dong used to do. And that's all, like I said, that's the stuff you do in the circle walking. And that's the you know stuff you do that's more about developing your body and and in the hand to hand, when someone does that, you know, sort of not slap down your arm and chop you in the side of the head. I swear that Mountain Master Dong must have been doing that because everyone. Right. I does. mean, the, the the description of what he just does to oh, you yeah. Fu is is basically what everybody does. You know, you slap that hand and bam, you know, drill right to the face, and I they mean, have to respond. Yeah. That's what creates your technique. Is that cover chop right right cover chop everybody's got that and the Fu people are obsessed with the drilling of the chuanzong the drilling palm over right. and over well, you can cover and, that, and drill too i mean, I mean who isn't right. though everybody loves it but they yeah. must be because that was well, the first move their teacher learned <laughs> also is you know again i think that's the um uh stylistic thing of of what they started with right you know if you're doing more striking arts to begin with and you're already conditioned why not you know like right but if you don't have that t- skill it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to make that your primary thing so it sounds like they then uh yin fu and dong i Chuan returned to beijing and uh yin yin was pretty skilled at that point so he got a job teaching martial arts in the palace as well um and this is Bagos begins to form as a you know entity that people would recognize like right it's an official to, style yeah they were starting to be known as bagua Zhang people right so it says uh it is known at this time that yin was the first student to learn bagua Zhang from dong Chuan. at this point yin fu is an official teacher so he took on his own disciples and we'll be touching on them in the next couple of episodes so the Bagua Zhang journal goes on to sort of break down his career, when he started and how long he trained. But uh, um, basically, we estimate that Dong and Yin trained together at least eight to 10 years longer than any other student. So that makes the case that Yin Fu really had something from Dong Ai Chuan that 
was the represents the origin of Bagua. He had the original Bagua system. And I think that Dong Chuan in his later years, may, he may have gotten to be an even better teacher and more creative and was able to teach more in less time, perhaps, or whatever happened. Anyways, Yin Fu can claim that they were sort of the original Bagua system to, to be taught by Dong. A few years after Dong and Yin returned from Inner Mongolia, they had a falling out. Yin Fu's first wife had died and he married another woman. At that time in China, it was not considered appropriate for a widower to remarry. Dong was upset with Yin, and the two did not speak to each other for years. They finally reconciled their differences shortly before Dong died. It was this falling out with Yin Fu that caused Dong Aichuan to open up and begin teaching more students. Because he was getting older, he did not think he would be able to spend as much time with one student as he had with Yin, so he decided to teach many students and teach each one a separate piece of his system so that the entire system could be shared among them after he was gone. Hey folks, Isaac here. Thanks for listening to the episode. Just a quick reminder to check out the Instagram for your images to go along with the episodes. And if you haven't already checked out the Patreon, it's uh, $5 just to get the extended episodes and uh, get the early releases. And it's $10 a month to get the entire archive of everything we have on there, which includes interviews and training sessions and All kinds of good stuff. So check that out if you haven't already. Uh, Thanks for your support and take care of yourself.